You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. everybody welcome to another fantastic episode of kaiju paradise oh yeah yeah with chris morrison as my co-host and Fuck yeah. uh, let's talk about a jet monkey yeah <laughs> taking a break from godzilla and uh gonna break into probably the uh mother of all kaiju movies or just giant monster movies or whatever you want to call the genre just uh just but giant fantastic beasts kaiju, yeah. on film yeah uh of course uh, i'm talking about the 1933 a cultural uh, masterpiece in a lot of ways, or a trendsetter rather, mm-hmm. King Kong. Yeah, the American kaiju. Yeah, <laughs> the American kaiju. Yep. Uh, yeah. So this was distributed by RKO. RKO. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, they they ended up going all the way up to around the time of Citizen Kane before it becoming defunct. Uh, a little bit later on in the early early sixties, uh, okay. they they were a distribution company, and the later end they stopped making movies and just distributed movies. And see, because I watched, uh, I don't know a whole lot about RKO because a lot of information I'm pulling off of comes from a specific source. But so I'm fascinated to hear about uh, what's going on with uh, what what happened with RKO too. So you started getting a consolidation. This is just a history of Hollywood, really. Okay. Uh, so you started getting consolidations. You had distributing companies, and you had movie production companies right you had your mgms your warner brothers and stuff like that but before that you had you know american international a good movie of that is the amazing colossal man yeah (laughs) american international uh, burt i gordon type stuff big but like (laughs) (laughs) the notorious the notorious big but like you had a lot of your like them and stuff like that were all like rko distributed okay Uh, so rko in the latter in the early days did make movies uh, this was one of their first big hits right uh, because the tagline for king kong was the eighth wonder of the world yep and i always loved that because i was always a big fan of the original seven wonders of the ancient world which mm-hmm. would be is going to be part of the probably the, the triple c podcast right but uh yeah so that's just they were pulling actors from the silent. They were, they were a real big part of transitioning from the silent film era yeah. into the talkies. Exactly. This was like a huge moment in like the the film yeah. industry in a lot of ways, and a lot of that was on the back of uh, Marion Cooper. Yes, um, Marion C. Cooper, who actually appears in I think multiple Big Ape movies. Yeah. Yes. Well, he was a uh, he was. Uh, a filmmaker who would travel to places like Africa mm-hmm. to make a lot of like you know uh, jungle and creature uh, themed movies uh, in that transition period between silent films and uh, talking pictures, and he would kind of, he would go out of his way to get some you know extreme shots even by today's standards. Like if you um, I forget what what the name of the movie was, but uh, he's there's some scenes where there's tigers coming up to the camera and kind of like licking it and like clawing at it. And that's Marion Cooper or one of his cameramen actually going up to these fucking tigers and be like, "Come on, yeah. come on guy, come on little guy. 
you know, a good shot. That's a good shot. Yeah. Um, Barry Cooper was actually born in Jacksonville, Florida. Right. <laughs> He's the original Florida man. Nice. But, yeah, uh, he for was, real. <laughs> but he was part of like Pioneer Pictures and he was part of MGM. Yep. Later on. Uh, he did the Son of Godzilla and he did. He did? He did? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, he's in Son of Godzilla and he's in the original Mighty Joe Young. Yeah. And there's so a, the big ape. Yeah. Thing was very big. Like, a, all a, him. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, the team that was involved with King Kong would later on uh, do, you know, Son of Kong or like, uh, you know, Mighty Joe Young, all these big ape movies. They were all kind of part of the same team. And uh, I think the one you're talking about is the documentary is called Grass, I which is made so. in Iran. Uh, but it was a documentary about the uh, nation's battle for life or something like that, the Bacardi right. people. But no, uh, Bert, just going into Marion Cooper, you know, he died in 1973 to old age of 79. You know, he was a big part of the early film industry. Um, and he was a military guy, too. He was yeah. a pilot. So mm-hmm. going into that real quick. Uh, this another, is, this another, is in the, uh, th- like, late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. So um, going into that, uh, a lot of people who were in the Hollywood were, pro- like, at that time, military people. Yeah. Uh, another famous pilot who became a huge you know i technically consider king kong science fiction yeah um but because it's like kind of like the hollow earth almost because i get that later on but it's like an island that no one's found is is where king kong lives but it's still like very vague where it's like what we do a fantasy tale yeah but it's like uh what are we doing uh the guy uh carl denham who's kind of loosely based on marion cooper himself Mm -hmm. is just like oh we're gonna go shoot a movie with some uh fantastic creatures and with these uh and uh with permission from the natives and this that and the other but another like military pilot uh was Gene Rodberry. Yeah. Who made Star true. Trek. He, uh, <laughs> he, he, him and Mary Coomer have a very like parallel lives. You know, they're war veterans, they're pilots. They became, you know, big into production companies and stuff like that and kind of got their story out there and how they wanted like their, it's not their personal story, but their story they wanted to tell kind of like Rod Sterling did with Twilight Zone. Right. And, um, I remember seeing the 1973 version of King Kong. Yeah, or 77. The 77 yeah. version. Was it Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lang? I think that one was later on. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, that was. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like Jessica Lang. Mallory, you don't like Mallory Archer? No, I don't like Jessica Lange because I saw the movie Cape Fear with Robert De Niro, and she's a bitch. Yeah. Well, she's a bitch in everything she's yeah. in, which is great. Yeah, she's an American. Uh, she's an American horror story. She's the mom, she's the evil mom. Yeah, am I getting that? Uh, I'm gonna make sure I'm not confusing her with uh, somebody else. Excuse me. It's the same. It's the same woman that did uh, that is Mallory Archer, and it's the same person that's in Arrested Development, right? No, that's a different woman. Oh, okay. See, I get those two confused all the time. No. But no, before, but with, uh, the, you got Marion Cooper, who's, uh, and uh, one of his uh, partners that I can't remember off the top of my head. It was like, so it's Marion Cooper and one, and uh, let's see, and uh, not Will, so Brian, I want to get to him uh, further on down the line, but uh, um, I want to say he had a, somebody that he had this uh, guy that was with him that would uh, go with him all these trips to Africa to make all mm-hmm. these put all these films together but you had that group and it's also uh, the most other, the other important uh, piece of this puzzle is Willis O'Brien who uh, designed the monster and designed a lot of the landscapes that we see in all the fantastical scenes in the movie yeah. and uh, he got his start making a lot of uh, silent movie productions yeah. like say the lost world or providing a lot of the creatures in the worlds for a uh, uh, Lost World and was commissioned by Thomas Edison on a couple so, of yeah, them. So, fun story about the Lost World real quick. Yeah. Uh, do you know uh, the guy that wrote Sherlock Holmes? Oh, uh, 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 fuck. Sherlock. Mm, I'm Charles, blanking on Charles it now. Dickens. But, uh, you mean Arthur, uh, 
Conan Doyle. Yeah, Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle. Sir, Sir Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah. The, the, when I say this, he's gonna you gonna knock that Sir off his fucking name because <laughs> he's a fucking idiot. But uh, <laughs> they presented the Lost World, and mm-hmm. we've seen it. Yeah, it's it's puppets. Yeah, and exactly. It's, and it's stop motion and stuff like that. He was so hell bent on believing that was real. <laughs> Actually, you know what? They talk about that in the documentary. Yes, he believed it was real. He also believed in mediums and stuff like that and tried to fight Houdini. So, like, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like all these people are around at the same time and it's just like, hey, did, yeah, Houdini almost got in a fight with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And he also almost got in a fight with uh, that dude from Russia, the cult leader. <laughs> oh, uh, which one? Uh... Uh, the one who. Uh, they tried to kill like seven times. All right. <laughs> but, Rasputin. Uh, yeah. Ra- oh, no shit. No I shit. Know that. He hated Rasputin. Fuck. Well, he was into magic and shit, and he really don't play fucking magic. See, that's a whole. See, that's a cryptic conspiracy uh, cult. Oh, that's a conspiracy uh, right there. Or like cult, because like Rasputin kind of was a cult of personality in a lot of mm. ways. So I can't wait to hear that podcast. Yeah. But, but no, Willis O'Brien was, uh, was making those kind of movies for uh, like The Lost World, but he was also making uh, another movie uh, that was full of uh, stop-motion dinosaurs and things like that. And was it was all about like the uh, Cretaceous period. And it was yep. all about a guy that was going to this island to hunt dinosaurs and to, you know, you know, as, you know, for sport and stuff like that. And he put together this entire scene where uh, the hunter finds a baby triceratops, shoots the baby triceratops, and then the mother finds him and chases him down. And that's the, the only scene from this movie uh, that was ever shot before Willis O'Brien got scooped up by Marion Cooper to make this uh, this King Kong production. Yeah. Well, funny thing, like uh, Marion Cooper also took a lot of this cast from a movie that came previous called The Most Dangerous Game. Yeah. So like Fay Ray and stuff like that. There's a guy who's in it called uh, Noble Johnson. Um, he plays the native chief in King Kong. He's actually Ivan. Okay. In the most dangerous game, and uh, he he's a he's a very scary looking guy. Like if you look at a picture of him, he kind of has that old. Uh, uh, the guy that played the Wolfman and Frankenstein look, uh, like he has that kind of that Boris Karloff kind yeah, of the Boris Karloff face, and you know Steve Clementi who played the Witch King, same thing. He's in the most dangerous game, and I do like that he was like we see that now a lot with like studios. Hey, we watch Sopranos. Hey, a lot of those guys are in Dexter. Or a lot of those guys are right. in Oz or something like that. And it's kind of like I just happen to be at the studio at the time and just like Exactly. Hey, you guys want to fill in a shift? No, <laughs> no, I got the same agents and stuff like that. Yeah. Another famous actor that came out of this was Bruce Cabot. Um back in the early days, he ended up being um in uh, Big Jack, a lot of westerns and stuff like that. Uh he was in, you know, the original King of Kong, but he was in a uh, movie in 1968 one of john wayne's last movies uh, hellfighters oh really yeah so he's like a fireman and stuff like but he 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 built a career in like westerns and stuff um but just yeah. starting just starting with you know king kong and this was a time where like this is in the middle of depression too where like uh these big ideas are coming to life with like uh, a lot of money being tossed around too mm-hmm. at a time where like the u.s and like just every industry in general in the u.s was just at its lowest yeah you're so you're coming like you're coming down from not only the economic depression but this is a worldwide depression because mm-hmm. of uh world war one mm-hmm. so much money got spent so fast and then you had not only the depression but you also had remnants of um the prohibition of alcohol Right. That had, that had came. This through. is still like right. This movie is about to be ninety years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this this is this is kind of a big deal. Uh, yeah, next year will be ninety, and uh, 
like you're talking about a time and era where entertainment is very different than it is now mm-hmm. um, we're in a transition like we were saying yeah. too so, a lot of it was like from silent pictures into mm-hmm. like uh walking and talking yeah um funny story is like uh in movie theaters at the time when we go to the movie theater we pay a ticket we see the movie we leave back in the day that's not true back in the day you pay for a new ticket you stay all day yeah it's a whole because it's cold Mm-hmm. So the dog days of summer rolling around in the Dust Bowl and shit like that. Hey, we're, hey, the kids are taking their five cents, getting a drink, getting a popcorn or whatever the fuck they served at the time. Most like it was fried chicken. That was big. Fried chicken was big. <laughs> big time for fried chicken. I was going to say that time period. <laughs> that time period. Fried chicken was big. Uh, but like you you would get like probably like a candy or some, some type of like mint candy or something like that, get a drink, and you'd stay at the movie theater all day. You would see probably King Kong twice in one day because right. it's always a double feature. You'd probably see an older movie that came out the year before that the that the theater had because a lot of theaters at the time collected the fucking films if they didn't have to bring them back. Right. So your distribution companies like RKO made a lot of money at selling the films instead of renting the films. So like at one point, like you, we see it now... Um, Paul brought it up on Discord. Hey, they're doing a double feature this day and this day in October at the movie theater, $5. You know? Yeah. Like back in the day, double features were all the time. Every fucking day. And these movies. The, and the then, idea of the matinee didn't show up until it was like a Sunday thing. Matinees right. are actually something you do on a Sunday um, back then because you'd leave in the afternoon after church and see a matinee. And in this time, what kind of movies are we uh, talking? A lot of like uh, romance, a lot of... Uh... It, dude, it's so cool because you're in the golden age of storytelling when it came to movies at this time. You're getting a lot of adaptations of of either like creature features. You're getting the early days of your universals. You're getting away from your, you know, you're getting into the talkies or whatever. Yeah. You're getting a lot of people converting films into something else. Um, you get some romance movies they didn't sell as much musicals actually sold a lot more um, especially in the 40s going into the later so guys coming back from war really into musicals and shit and like it's kind of funny it's just like oh you know you gotta if you're a man you don't like musicals like dude these guys are peeling shrapnel out of a fucking Nazi grenade out of their thigh listening to the fucking like, dancing in the rain <laughs> yeah, there, there's some moments in the movie too where they're just they're uh, you know kind of shows its age a little bit mm-hmm. where it's like Oh, I like a woman on the boat. Oh, uh, that's going to be too much. Yada yada yada. Well, at that time, yeah, like they, they had very staunch rules when it came to like uh, they kind of keep the same. <laughs> it's kind of funny is it's like they have the same rules as pirates had back in the 1700s. Yeah, <laughs> which is if you find a bitch on the boat, whoever got the bitch on the boat, both of you are thrown overboard. <laughs> that's that, that was true. Like pirates did that shit. If they found a woman on the boat, they're chucking her out to sea. And uh, the same thing here, you know, a lot of guys, you know, it's a distraction. Right. It can cause a lot of problems. You know, one female and fucking 50 dudes, you know, is a problem. And, <laughs> and women and dudes are going to be super insecure about, yeah, you know, they're, they're, feel, having their feelings shown and stuff yeah, like, like that, and, too. And it's, it's kind of funny, like, even the voyage there is fucking hilarious because it's all a lie. Yeah, it's all it's all it's all a fucking ruse. Yeah, this dude Carl Denham is like super vague about mm-hmm. what the uh, what they're doing in the first place. I will tell you what, how about you be cool for five minutes and get on the goddamn boat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> be cool, bitch. Where it's like, oh, I'll find it's like I'll find a broad or I'll find blah 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 or however you talk in the thirties. <laughs> and they get kind of like you know we're talking about uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's mom as the original scream queen. But like, no, nah, Faye Ray is Faye where it Ray all starts. Faye Ray is the scream queen, the starter. And like, 
just screaming like a motherfucker twice in that movie. That's one of those where like you hear the audio of it and you're like, oh, that's the Fay Ray scream from King Kong. Yeah, and I just love the setup because you see going into not only just the landing, but them coming up on the island and the kind of showing the effects that see, they had available. So that's the thing though that uh, a lot of those uh, those landscapes they used were a lot of uh, Willis O'Brien's landscapes that were already used in that uh, that. Uh, creation film mm-hmm. that he did with the Triceratops that I mentioned before that kind of, that kind of carried over into uh, the King Kong the uh, monster scenes in King Kong including a lot of the dinosaurs that mm-hmm. were used so, so a lot of the uh, like say the Tyrannosaurus for example was supposed to be in that creation uh, movie uh, as well as like some of the other reptiles and stuff like that well you think about it, that's a pretty genius way of you know using already filmed material to kind of save on a budget because i believe mm-hmm. the budget for this movie was like six hundred thousand or seven hundred thousand dollars all so much you know you know in today's money it's it, it'd be a lot but, yeah but even like back then for like you know again the depression yeah it's fucking ridiculous you know you're spending this amount of money that could be building a school where you know teaching people how to grow food properly <laughs> a lot of this information i'm getting from uh, comes from a blu-ray copy that uh i watched recently with my brother mm-hmm. of uh the movie and there's like this whole series on the bonus features where uh they're talking to uh peter jackson in at length as well as like survivors or like uh, some guys that were there uh you know sur- like surviving you know uh production uh team members mm-hmm. and things like that about what they did to put the models together and this is this is put together right as peter jackson was putting together his version of king kong mm-hmm. so he was like heavily involved in you know being such a, so nerdy about like all the nuances of like the models and the sets and the history behind it it's so great i even like th- had the thought when i was watching it the other day like who's nerdier peter jackson or henry rollins <laughs> probably peter jackson just on this one like henry rollins is a vast nerd yeah peter but- jackson when it comes to film it's hard to beat. Yeah. Also, with like the Lord of the Rings movies, he had to become a Tolkien nerd on top of that, too. Yeah. Or I maybe he probably already was, but... Yeah, like, eventually adding Stephen Colbert, even, because he's a Tolkien nerd, like a motherfucker, uh-huh. on the Hobbit series and stuff like that. No, the Hobbit series was like a whole, like, uh, just a paycheck for him, but yeah, that's a whole that's lot why, of podcasts. That's fucking wrong. Yeah. <laughs> on a lot of stuff. I have so many problems with that Hobbit movie, but that's... Well, I have a uh, problem with the fucking Hobbit anyway and, like, Lord of the Rings because there's like, they, he wrote, like, a super character in the series, Tom Bobadil, and it's just like any time this guy could show up and kill the bad guy and but, not die. Like the top Bobadil is like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. If you read that, he's a god just like walking around <laughs> and he could kill anybody with like a fucking touch. But was, it was what was cool about like uh, one of the coolest parts about the um, that doc series is that uh, Peter Jackson and his team, while they were making uh, their version of King Kong, they uh, were going through some of this old footage and finding some of these uh, information about some of the models that were used for the mo- uh, monster scenes. Like, uh, say, the spider pit creatures, or like the Tyrannosaurus, or like uh, um, the Triceratops, and uh, like mm-hmm. all these other dinosaurs, and recreated a lot of stuff that was lost. Yeah. So that's what the thing about the old King Kong movie was that there was a lot of, there's so much monster action yeah. that people forget about on the Skull Island scenes, but there's so much more that got lost as well. But um, Peter Jackson and his team were able to recreate one of the lost scenes where they're in the spider pit because there's this one part, you know, where uh, King, where they're all trapped on the log where, like, King Kong's on the, 
on the uh, other side of it, shaking them off, like twisting the uh, log, and they all fall mm. off and uh, into this pit. And this pit's supposed to be full of spider creatures yeah. and stuff like that that go after them. So they remake that scene with like stop motion spiders and stop motion creatures yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, supposedly on that scene uh, in particular, uh, uh, with since Kong is on one side, there's a uh, uh, triceratops on the other side that's chasing them mm. so they're kind of trapped but that scene got lost for whatever reason and they include that too they build this entire like triceratops model and everything too where um and they go but they use like the exact kind uh a uh, time appropriate uh you know uh, mechanics and everything too they had to get the entire the uh specific metals uh, uh types of metal used to make all these like movements and stuff like that and it looked like such a pain in the ass. Yeah. And this team went out of their way well, to make this scene that, you know, is not used for anything other than this bonus content for a DVD. Yeah, well, like uh, the, the stop motion stuff, you know, that's hard to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we watch shows with stop motion, like, uh, was it? Like uh, Robot Chicken, for example. Robot Chicken, yeah. And, but now this kind of streamlined now, you know, it's a little bit better. Uh, your Tim Burton movies, your Coraline, you know, See, stuff like that. There's a movie on Shudder that kind of has that. Uh, I think I've like got it's like something God or. Yeah, if you watch the fucking Tool music video, there's yeah, stop that motion. too. There's stop motion in that fucking movie. Well, there's <laughs> well, uh, one of the guys that was uh, kind of Willis O'Brien's uh, protege on that film, uh, Ray Harryhausen, yeah. was involved, and he went on to uh, make design creatures that you see on, like, say, the Golden Voyage of Sinbad mm. or uh, the Clash of the Titans. Or um, like say um, the beast from twenty thousand fathoms, yeah. so on and so forth. He was like the stop motion guy for a yeah. long time, and like you know that kind of carries over a little bit to like just on a, like a touchstone version of just like the Lost World. Uh, we get that with like Michael Crichton writing his mm-hmm. fantasy story about what if it was a theme park. I think he just hates theme parks. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I think he's just scared of them because he wrote Westworld too. Yeah, and just, uh, it's always a theme park that turns on you. Yeah, f- motherfucker. And uh, but going back to King Kong, it's like kind of like, can you imagine being in the theaters at that time when this movie drops? Mm-hmm. And it's a long movie, and it's it's like two hours. Yeah, it's long movies, and like we think of that kind of long, but back in the day, some of those movies had to be long because people were paying in there to sit there all day. Paying yeah. their ten cents a day and to go so watch. If you're the watching movie. a two-hour movie, then that next movie might be two hours too. You know, like so a double feature at four hours, and plus, you know, you had the convenience of what's called intermission. Yeah. So we don't have that anymore. It's like, oh, you got to take a piss. That's too bad. <laughs> That's too bad. This, this Ken Burns of the West does not have an intermission. <laughs> I know. It's, it's like I'm, as I'm getting older now, it's just like fuck. I got to take a piss during the Batman movie. What did I miss? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? You missed the plucking. You missed the Joker. <laughs> you missed the exposition. There you go. You missed it. You have to wait for it on DVD or pirate it like everyone else. Yeah, really. And I really like the, like, I can only imagine seeing that for the first time. The, the initial reviews that come uh, that you see that were presented in that doc were like crazy because they, uh, people were like, you know, obviously for that time period, they're scared they're, shitless. Their minds are blown. They're scared shitless. They're like, this is the most real realistic looking monster real. we've this ever is seen because like the the hairs on the monster yeah. move around too like mm. the the wind's blowing on it mm. and things like that you know and like the, the think about this movie too <sighs> my friend eddie brought this up uh on a podcast he did recently where he talks about how uh joe rogan was having a conversation with rob zombie about king kong and how joe rogan was just like man this, is, this movie looks so silly now. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Think about the time period and like yeah. the tools used to put this together. It's like, you know, you, you see Peter Jackson and his team put together this uh, 
put together one scene that probably took them like you know months yeah. can you imagine the uh the work put to together to make the monsters look that good mm-hmm. and have the mo- movements be that fluid can you imagine how much how frustrating that must have been just something that, just know, went wrong none of that other companies you know producing content like a lot of its cartoons mm-hmm. and then you had someone like walt disney come along and kind of revolutionize that whole business with his people where you have layering effects on uh, kind of like animation and stuff like there's a cool shot in um and they show how it's done in an old uh, colored like documentary was how they do the uh, zoom shot for Bambi. Yeah. And it's like, it's layer. So what they're doing is instead of building, just instead of just drawing and zooming in on a point, no, it's layered art on top of each other and then zooming in. So it looks like the trees are going past you. Mm-hmm. So, so like even with like King Kong, when you're trying to do like, hey, what can I can I make a scale model of how big this guy's going to be? All right, so we could play a little we could play a little fantastic with it because like the scene where he's like looking in the window and shit kind of yeah. doesn't match the scale of how big he is. Um, <clears throat> but like, hey, when his hand reaches in and stuff like that, like that's where we we'll use practical effects for that, or we'll use some type of layering effect well, to do that. Well, they did a lot of like uh, this was one of the first movies to use like those uh, those sc- use scr- screen projection and mm-hmm. have like uh, you know say people standing in front of the screen and then uh, when it comes to the editing, the uh, screen that appears you know in front of them is like a dino is a stegosaurus you know fucking uh, moving towards them about to chase them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of like same with like a car car scenes you know there's a there's a screen behind them moving and they're just in an adjacent car and some guys are just like love tapping it with sticks yeah <laughs> <laughs> the car's just kind of leaning awkwardly left and right kind of like a voodoo apocalypse yeah exactly it's just like hey what are you doing oh, we got a guy with a jack stand just fucking moving our car around while we're going through the desert <laughs> but a lot of times like it, yeah like you were saying they they went out of their way to you know with the effects to really project the 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 scale of these monsters and everything and for the too. time they were testing the kind of limits on that mm-hmm. uh and when testing limits you know you test the limits of the people working yeah uh, and that that's kind of a big story behind king kong or some of the people like i think it was uh Faye ray who said that uh she didn't want to be on another movie like that no and she ended up being in the next one the son of kong yeah they had they wound up being like you know had to been like 18 hour days or something like yeah. that but like a lot of it's not just standing around either. A lot of it's just guys like poking and prodding you, being like, "Hey, you need to change outfits. You need to do this. You need to do that." And it's just like it's not like it is today. No, especially for women actors. But uh, even on pay, like, or, she, well, she was uh, she was brunette too, yeah. and had to like get a blonde wig, right? Mm-hmm. And like that could have been a lot worse. They could have made her dye her hair back then, which would have been fucking dangerous. Yeah, because you know it's not as good, not as easy as it looks. No, especially back then when you're on limited products. Also, with this movie too, there's a lot of monster violence. You know, there's yeah. some stuff that you watch where like people are just like getting just eaten like on screen like violently too, and Kong's just like just stomping on motherfuckers. You see him just like crushing the natives like underneath his feet and everything too, which is like they're getting away with a lot as far as like you know violence on screen for uh, the 1930s yeah and there's 
and like the only time you could really get away with violence like that was documentaries right or like nature documentaries which were kind of like a big thing back then but like, because it's creature violence it's a little bit more i guess yeah ex- acceptable as opposed to like <laughs> i was gonna say gun violence on uh, the 1930s but a guy uh, getting shot in the from like the 30s to the 60s was just a guy gr- clutching his chest like no oh, fun story about people being shot at back in the day uh the guy that played the original Scarface, um, what's his name? Um, the original black and white Scarface, right? James Cagney. Okay. Um, in the original time of around this time, um, when you see someone getting shot at, they're actually getting shot at. They hired a marksman to do the shots. Just the, just the flesh of the fl- of the thigh. <laughs> they had a guy who was trained how to use firearm to fire real bullets mm-hmm. at real motherfuckers. So, so anytime a, you watch an old movie before 1935, 36, yeah, that's real fucking bullets. Or like when uh, horses are being used to like, you know, in movies where they're getting, you know, shot at or falling over. Yeah, or they trampled. learn how to they're, fall. They're, well, yeah, they're like actually pulling on the horses to like actually like harming them and shit. Yeah, too. yeah. And, you know, it's not like a it's not as liberal as it is today of course but because of because of stuff like that you get stuff james Kennedy ends up saying like hey i almost got shot the other day on set because a guy had a fucking thompson submachine gun and he was letting it rip and i was like you know what no fuck that and then they create the screen actors guild which is I was the, gonna say. the union mm-hmm. which you know these people didn't have a lot couldn't really afford not to have it you know because you need to be protected because it's show business yeah and so show business talent, is no, does, talent does not get protected yeah show business show business is like manufacturing you're going to break your back for entertainment mm-hmm. you know you're going to break your back for that dollar and it kind of it kind of sets the stage later on for hey we can't we have to work around this yeah and how do we work around this and it's pretty neat because you because it kind of creates innovation yeah. when you have a rule you can't break but now there's new rules. Like with this movie in particular, there's new rules being made. There's all kinds of new in- innovations, whether it's uh, with special effects and the things that have to be uh, done to provide these special mm-hmm. effects. And another part of this, they had to work on the old morality code of movies. Some of those morality codes include uh, a woman can't show too much skin. skin. Uh, cops cannot be killed. The bad guy has to die at the end. Uh, evil cannot prevail. And these were morality rules set for that, movies. And that's like the old version of like what the, uh, what do you call the rating system or like the uh, FCC or whatever. Not the MPAA. This is before the MPAA, but okay. this, is a, this is like the code. Kind of like the comic book code was yeah. around. Movies had the same thing. They, you could not show in any form. Uh, women drinking alcohol was one. Um, uh, evidence of a murder, stuff like that. You couldn't show a dead body. Uh, like it, 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 it's very rampant, but you were able to kind of like scapegoat around it, depending on the kind of movie you were making. Yeah, and with like say Kong, for example, uh, you said you can't show a dead body, but you could show somebody getting like uh, a T Rex, or even a, in this movie a Brontosaurus, which is which was yeah. supposed a herbivore. Was, yeah, a plant eating dinosaur grabbing this dude out of a tree and just like eating him. Yeah. but you could that's one way of skirting around it if it was like an animal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting. But that's not a dead body. That's like you know part of the uh stop motion effect yeah. you know after the fact too yeah so like just kind of give you kind of a, an idea of how far we've come uh the movie psycho yeah was the first movie ever to show a flushing toilet <laughs> okay so like we've come a long way from 1933 in the 50s and 60s and stuff like that you know what i'm saying so what year did psycho come out 
uh, early 60s. Okay. But, uh, but you know, I'm talking about like they had to work around these, you know, codes of conduct and stuff like that. Uh, but if you didn't have those rules, Kong probably would have been a more compelling movie if he escaped. Well, he's, like I said, he's still like, well, there's that one scene where like um, he's taking the the bus or he's taking the train and he's just kind of just dumping people out of it. And you mm. see these people following it, falling out of it, which, you know, for the time was probably terrifying. But if you made that without those rules, you'd see Kong, you'd see them, you know, probably just he falling and actually like, crashing. Eat, or yeah. grabbing one, eating one, like just like a Tic Tac. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or like, hey, instead of him being shot down from the from the Empire State Building, him escaping new york you know that that would have been more compelling of a story but mm-hmm. we don't we didn't, but in the end you well, know, like you is, said the, the the bad guy the adversary the antagonist has to, has to, be, has to die even though, like, yeah, that's a very important it isn't like go to jail no he has to die but that's the thing about that uh that too they make him still make him very sympathetic yeah you know he's just a creature that's just you know doesn't know where he is and he's mm-hmm. just reacting to everything around him mm-hmm. uh you remember the movie Inglorious Bastards when they're playing the guessing game? Yeah. And the Nazi guy's got the King Kong on his head. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, no, I'm a black American. <laughs> it's just oh. like he was brought to America in chains for entertainment and escape. And he's like, oh, no, I'm a... So he doesn't say black American, but he, you know what I'm saying? He's like, oh, I'm the American black man. <laughs> and it's like, no, you're King Kong. Fuck. So <laughs> you racist piece of shit, but hey, I'm a Nazi. Uh, hey, he's SS. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Super special Nazi. <laughs> but uh, like, like uh, and, and around this time, around this time, the Nazis are actually, you know, forming. Uh, they, they see these movies as an option to show the limits of film production. And that's for every country at this time, you know, not just America, but Europe had their own versions of these later on down the road, much later. But, you know, what can we get away with filming? You know, can we what can we do like on site? What can we do in the studio? What can we do on set? You know, a lot of these things really depend and like King Kong really set the motion because uh, I don't know if they talked about on that documentary you watched, but like like site locations and filming on site locations just to do the overlap for King Kong yeah and the well, city well that was um, you know Marion Cooper's deal like he mm-hmm. was all about just going you know wh- wherever he needed to go to get the, the right shot. shots exactly so like he was all about uh, location 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 for sure yeah. and it, it plays a good deal because like the elaborate way they catch him too like mm-hmm. go, after after all the like brutality of the monster fights and everything, the way he catches him is fucking also, insane. Also, you know, the big monster fight is you know King Kong versus the Tyrannosaurus, where he just like splits the jaw open, mm-hmm. which is like a finish move that's been in like every movie since. Which is like you know that's super hi- hyper violent in any scenario. You know, you're talking about it's like a curb oh, stomp. Yeah, it's a curb stomp. Exactly. You're just showing like, hey, uh, I'm gonna show my uh, five year old uh, King Kong. You know, just see if uh, you know, because it's a giant monster. It's from the 30s. It should be fun. You're seeing like monster gore in a lot of ways. Yeah, and because it's animals, you know, there is no, they they don't see it as traumatizing. Yeah. Even though, yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. A I'm, little bit. If you're not seen, if you're not used to movies, can you imagine like just a kid who'd never been to the movies before in 1933? Let's say Midwestern kid, probably fucking Missouri. Hey, we're going to St. Louis. They got a theater. I heard this movie's big. You know, my parents are taking me. You're sitting down with your mom and dad. And it's just like, holy fuck. 
Well, it's like no different than like say uh, I see I grew up watching a lot of nature shows when I was a kid. They'd be on PBS and stuff like watching that. Watching that cheetah hit that deer. Like watching that cheetah hit this this baby fucking gazelle and just like mm. just like ripping his throat out and yeah. shit like that, just killing it. We're just like I'm like seven eight year, years old going like, did he just kill the baby gazelle? But yeah, then Simba ate that motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> but then it's like you kind of like you know. But then you know you, with context and everything, you're like predators got to eat too, and yeah, it's one they, of those they all got to get it. And it's like I think it's worse when you see like the little ones get it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I think I was watching one where it was uh, there's a version there's a there's a species of cats that live in Africa. They're the world's smallest species of cat, but they don't get much bigger than my phone. Right. <laughs> and, but that's but they're like predators, and they're like the most all-consuming predator in Africa at one point. Really? They travel the furthest based on their size. They kill more based on their size. What do they eat? Just birds. Bu- bugs and birds? birds and stuff? Just birds. They okay. catch birds. But like they're like little kittens, but they're, they're like this big, like, a big, like six inches long, and they don't get much bigger than that. And they're cats. Like They look like house cats, but they fucking hunt at night and move throughout the thing. And it's just like, yeah... Yeah, that's why you shouldn't have feral cats. <laughs> but isn't that why we're, where we're kind of like, uh, as people, we're kind of more uh, prone to the idea of, you know, being seen, uh, being desensitized to animal violence? I think it's because, so in the age of industrialism, you're not seeing the, the animal die. There's only when a handful of, once you go into industrialization of livestock, there's only when a handful of, peop- handful of people that are actually going to see the animal die. Yeah. That's a fact. All right. I've seen animals die. I've seen dogs die. I've seen mm-hmm. cows die. Goats get ripped ripped to pieces. I've worked on farms. I've seen cows yeah. and chickens die. And because we're from rural areas, we're going to be more desensitized to that kind of thing. But yeah. you get somebody who doesn't who doesn't know that shit and say, "Hey, how do they how do they how do they kill a cow? Oh, they put a twenty two to its head and blow its head up, mm-hmm. and it's like a little hole." Or it's like uh, chicken farms. It's like, uh, what do they do with the uh, you chicken? Take a, you can take your bare hands and take a chicken's head off. Yeah, that's, and that's what they do. If there's a chicken that's just, you know, kind of like a little bit too derpy to yeah. know there's something's wrong with it, they're just like, oh, well, we can't process that one. You well, know? Even then, you know, you got guys who have the chicken killing stump. This is the stump. Mm-hmm. It's in the middle of the pen, too. Like, yep. Grab by the back of the legs, throw it in that fucking stump, and slap. Yep, and also back to this time period too, where like mo- people are mostly farmers, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the movie going audience probably is mostly farmers. And, and you're going to think about it like the amount of money. All right, let's say they decide to make movies on the cheaper end, or not make a movies on, them, but sell them at a cheaper end. Once a month, it's an event. Yeah, you know, here we can go to the movie. I used to go to the movies almost every fucking weekend back in 2008, 2009. Me too, because we had the time and money. Mm-hmm. We never got soda or anything. We just brought our own. <laughs> we stopped at the Dollar Dollar Tree. <laughs> so but, we, uh, we, we do double features. We would do like two movies a day sometimes. Yeah. Did you ever do the one where you finished the movie and kind of like sat there for a little while and wait? And then like, oh, fuck, the movie across the hall starting and just kind of sneak out and just walk to the Oh, house. yeah, because nobody would give a fuck. Nobody cares. It's fucking four o'clock on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, you know, this is an all-day event, so might as well show something that's eventful. And nothing's more eventful than King Kong back in 1933. Well, even like today, if you put it on, it's like as soon as they get to the island, it is nonstop action. Yeah. Like it's still like a fast pace. Yeah, there's no exposition. There's no. It's all action. It's like the exposition. The exposition is like, oh, we're going on to an island to make a movie. What's going to happen on this island? We're going to get killed. Yeah, and on that, you introduce the characters on the boat. Like basically, all the main characters mm-hmm. on the boat. You give them, you know, introduce them to their personalities. You know what makes them tick and all that. And from then on, the star of the show 
is the monster and everything that comes with it. And then you meet the, and at one point you meet the tribe. Yeah. The tribe, which is all just nothing but blackface. <laughs> uh, were they not, were they not uh, African-American? No, because the war chief is a white guy. Oh, I didn't know that. Keep in mind, the war chief is the same guy who played Ivan in Most Dangerous Game. That's right. Yeah, so it's a, he just so I never saw that version of uh, Most Dangerous Game, though. Yeah. So, so I have uh, that for reference. So, yeah. So they, they blackface a little bit. Over to, you know who else does it? Sam Waterston did it from Law & Order. He went Indian face in a movie. He played a Native American. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I forget what movie it was. It's fucking hilarious. Because I'm like, holy shit, that's Sam Waterston. <laughs> uh, the Jew from Brooklyn. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, so they they used the whole ruse of the tribe, you know, to catch catch King Kong. Mm-hmm. But and you get that famous scream, and you know the set building alone for that, and comparing it to like the one I saw first was the seventies version. Yeah, the seventies version is kind of like when I, I was a kid watching that, and I Me was too. fucking shocking as shit. It's like holy shit, this thing's gonna fucking eat her. I know it. That was the that was the first version I ever watched was the seventies version, mm-hmm. and I remember just kind of like not loving it you know well we had that we had that movie and we had uh godzilla versus mecha godzilla and keep in mind these were like vhs tapes that you know sold at video stores that were taken off the shelf yeah and had that bin you know that every video store had it's like hey buy these two movies for like five bucks and like it was right there beside the amazing colossal man and stuff like that like we and we didn't have the cases for them. We had them in clear box cases. I don't know if you remember those for VHS. Like the ones that uh, you got uh-huh. from Blockbuster. Not like Blockbuster, but like the family video had the exactly. clear cases. That's, that'd be like uh, where you put your bootlegged, your home videotapes and shit like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's the one we had. My grandpa had. He was big into that. So I didn't watch the, this one until like much later mm-hmm. in life. I was probably in college and it was just like on like Turner Classic Movies or something mm-hmm. like that. And I would watch it then. And uh, yeah, that's like, I haven't seen Turner Classic Movies in a minute. My that's parent. on HBO now. Yep. My parents still watch it. <laughs> well, they watch like features of it and stuff like that. Come on, sit down. We're watching Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, it's seven hours long. <laughs> God, that's one movie I didn't enjoy at all. Even with all the, uh, you know, the film, uh, you know, uh, I guess the, the filmography of yeah. it and oh, the Orson cinematog- Wells, just like Yeah, that. I just did. It wasn't for me, and I get how impactful it was, but mm. I just it was just fucking sled. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But yeah. no, with the it was that I watched the '77 one first, and then uh, let's see, then I watched the Peter Jackson one when it came out in theaters, and that was a chore. Yeah, it's hard to watch. Yeah, it was three hours long. Because what Peter? Because if you watch the the documentary that I um, that I watched, you know Peter Jackson's a big part of it. Because like I said, mm-hmm. this came around around the time of the release of the other one, and he is like all about it like you can tell like when he got the the gig to do this kong movie that he was gonna you know put his best foot forward and you know put as much work into it as he did the lord of the rings movies you know it's like this was this like this is my big film nerd moment but you know for better i guess you know he went a little heavy-handed a little heavy-handed a lot of that uh, stuff could have been deleted yeah because like we were talking about it's such a simple movie in a lot of ways too the 1933 version of it you know from the beginning to end it's just you know here's your characters here's the monster was it uh naomi watts yeah naomi watts was uh was Faye ray's character and then uh jack black plays uh carl denham yeah adrian brody's in it and you see a lot of people die in that movie too just Mm -hmm. like the original king kong even the guy that plays that uh eric who Adrian Brody's character is supposed to be is not that big of a character in the... Uh, he's just kind of there. You know, mm-hmm. it's like all of a sudden... It's just like one of those where it's like, oh, uh, you'll be my love interest in yeah. the 33 King Kong, you know? Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. It had, if I was to cut an hour out of it, yeah, I think it'd be a little bit more entertaining. The Peter yeah. Jackson one. And the but mon- Peter Jackson, though, he gets so fucking ramped when he does stuff like Lord of the Rings, like you said. Mm-hmm. But also when he did that Beatles thing. He went all out with that, with the footage, too. Did and- you really have to show Phil Spector? Uh, I don't think Phil Spector was in that one. This was uh, Phil Spector didn't do uh, anything with that album until after it was. Yeah, uh, I thought, I thought they, they, like they that. featured him in one of the like clips they were showing. See, uh, that was so they had Glenn Johns on that one. Phil Spector, you probably thinking of one that uh, I was watching with John Lennon, where he was doing double, double fantasy, and mm-hmm. Phil Spector's in there just hanging out. Being a maniac with fucking John Lennon at the time. Yeah, don't you have a gun to carry and wander around? <laughs> don't you have a body to chop up? <laughs> yeah, for real. But no, there's uh if you uh, I'm, I think it's on YouTube. If you go on YouTube and look up Peter Jackson's version of the spider pit scene, it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, the spider. It's so cool. Like some of the kill scenes. I uh, my cousin Ella in uh, West Virginia. She loves that loves that fucking movie. But she's also obsessed with sharks too. So like <laughs> she's really big into like animal violence. Right. If she's listening to this, or at least I know her brother is. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about. But, uh, but man, I, I can't say, like, I don't really have a favorite, though. Like, each one has their kind of moments. I mean, the original King Kong is still, like, one of those. I think it's an all-time classic in the in the genre, you know. We don't I, get the genre without this movie. What I like, what they've done with it now, is gone away from the, hey, let's kill the ape at the end. Till we get like Kong Skull Island. Yeah, they make like, him a full on, you know, hero character. Yeah, and I like how they do that. Um, but going into the end of the movie, we get the tagline Kong, the eighth wonder of the world. And the stupidest decision in movie in movie storytelling is let's chain him up and parade him in a theater because greed takes all and now he's yeah. a product we can sell to the people yeah but it's like it's this is kind of like does this story was was he trying to tell us a different story with a giant ape is it is what you're saying you know what i'm saying like what kind of story is was marion cooper trying to tell like i, I like a like an analogy what was the analogy some people have like some of the stuff i've heard is uh oh it's an analogy of american slavery and the dangers of bringing a uh a people over and the damage that causes that just for entertainment's sake well like i haven't heard that particular theory Which but more I've, of a racist kind of yeah, look I'll say it. that's more like a racist angle for sure and Mary, you know it's 1933 so you couldn't be put it past him really no <laughs> but then like the one i hear more often than not is like you know uh taking something that's out of its element you know mm-hmm. something out of its natural environment and putting it in somewhere where it doesn't belong and seeing mm-hmm. the it's the man playing god thing yeah. you know yeah um and you know there's so many different analogies and you know personifications of what king kong could be yeah and i think it's so weird that it's kong like the name kong is now synonymous with you know great apes and stuff like that because of this movie and beforehand i couldn't find any reference of the word kong yeah you don't find anything about where they got the name no and you know we see like changes we get we even get video games. One of your favorites, Donkey Kong. Yeah, <laughs> which is because someone didn't didn't know how to spell monkey. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is this is put a D, and like, but it's, like, it's going to be, be called Monkey Kong. Well, I think the uh, the biggest uh, MVP in the in the entire crew is Willis O'Brien himself because mm-hmm. of like uh, the design of the monster and you know how we met, 
they were able to make him a sympathetic character towards the end with his mm-hmm. facial movements. They had like uh, not only did they have like the stop motion uh, one, but they also had like a facial model to like where they zoom in and he yeah. roll, like moves his eyes and his mouth around and everything too. They give him like really. Uh, visceral expressions for that and those, time, you and know? those are later on used in like animatronics that are used in like theme rides at Disney and stuff like that, and Disney, uh, not Disney World, but in Disneyland uh, in Los Angeles. And I kind of like, I kind of like when I'm watching movies, kind of see, hey, what are they using at the, at the time that is new? Yeah. All right. So like, you get like you get like old westerns that used unchanged shots. Right. So it's just like a, it's still a rise and fall, but it's it's still every they don't break away. It's just all one continuous shot. One continuous shot. Uh or hey, what what did they do here for the audio? They did a layer audio to make it more scary. They added an infrasound mm-hmm. to kind of make a create an anxious effect and like the witch, you know, like, like who's using this first and who's pioneering it and like with okay. the and King Kong was a big part of kind of taking that technology for a sound and film score. Yeah. You know, like, I didn't know this until watching the documentary, but that was like the first movie to implement, you know, a score to create a mood for mm-hmm. uh, all for various scenes. And it's a genius idea because, like, what is Jurassic Park without John Williams? Exactly. You know, what is any movie without John Williams? Yeah. <laughs> or, like, you know, or, or to a lesser extent, uh, Danny Elfman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what is, like, you know, could you... Could you make a Western better without Ennio Marconi? See, that's the only, like, yeah, that last scene in The Good and the Bad and the Ugly where they're just like staring at each other, waiting for uh, the first guy to draw. Mm. What's If you take the music away, it's just people just going like, I'm just staring twitching. at each other. Like, hey, I think that guy's got Tourette's. Yeah. Just, I can't, th- you know what's fucking crazy is that I've been at home and, a, and you know, regular TV's been playing, so commercials play all the time, and it's always the Modelo, and they're playing Ecstasy of Gold. I know it. And I'm just like, stop playing that I hate fucking that. song. <laughs> Modelo is not the good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> and like, you hear that stuff, you know. Oh my god! But yeah, that that was the first one to kind of. Uh, but yeah, when he falls off that, uh, we still I'm still hearing it in my head right now. When he falls off the Empire State Building, you're hearing that dun dun dun. You know, it's like that was the first film to implement. You know, it's not a uh, it's not a piece of music. It's just kind of like a set of tones to yeah. really convey. Well, what a you're mood. what you're watching actually is an opera. Yeah. So what you're using, you're hearing you're hearing a band, you know, a whole orchestra play out the scene yeah and instead of having a vocal performer now you have just the orchestra which it's a cool transition at the time if you think about it it's like hey why didn't we use music beforehand mm-hmm. why not you know Same why that. not why didn't encode it with the film that's one of those things we take for granted now but that's where it all starts and what's funny is people don't realize like you had audio you had audio on top of that that had to be played separate while the movie was playing. So your timer, your guy in the yeah. theater, had to be fucking spot on. So much of this had to be like spot on. With yeah. Like, so you can't have a guy being like, "Oh shit, it's Kong," and just right. moving, and it says his mouth keep moving. Well, what does he say? And he's like, "No, he said that. The timing's <laughs> off." Yeah, ex- exactly. It's like we're having bad cable again. <laughs> it's like uh, again, it's that transition for like uh, you know silent films. You know that people would mouth something, they would put in like the uh, uh, the dialogue in between on like a background. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have uh, you would have what's called numbering, which a lot of uh, when they created the new film projectors, uh, they added the audio part in. So you would have you would have the audio like on a like on an LP, yeah. And then you would have 
the film playing. Now, well, they created an all-in-one projector, which when a fur, fur when a certain uh, little piece photo of the film, a little cell mm-hmm. of the film passes at a certain point, the projector clicks. Yeah, and then the sound starts, and then when it it clicks again to let the operator know, hey, go ahead and feed in the second film. And then the projector will hit that other sale and the second audio would play it. So when you have a movie like King Kong, which is probably like three reels, right? you got three reels and three audio casings. So technology-wise, you know, you had to be on time and it kind of creating these new projectors for like newer theaters and stuff was very important to, you know, kind of save that moment. Uh, especially if you're on a score like that because, you know, it's playing piped into speakers who aren't, which... Well, we think of speakers as too like would scare the shit out of fucking people back then. Yeah, not, still 1930 speakers, but still very you know new for the time. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about like paper cones and shit that mm-hmm. would break. Uh, and I was so pissed when I found out my fucking Dodge truck had paper cones and I blew out the fucking speaker. I'm just like, son of a bitch, they Dodge went cheap. <laughs> so I can't play fucking Metallica on here. I can play Skinner, man, get in the parking lot of my high oh, school. Oh, damn. <laughs> I was like, our rear speaker's going to have to do. Well, probably be able to get away with Metallica records. There weren't any bass on those yeah. records. <laughs> but, uh, nah, man, it was it just the amount of technology that had to be innovated mm-hmm. not just for the rules of a morality code but the rules of filmmaking can you imagine trying to like we could probably use apple or some type of microsoft movie maker to do king kong all over again with like um you know but still kind of do the uh doing not maybe not a new and improved but kind of do like the uh say if we wanted to do like the stop motion treatment mm-hmm. but still make it compelling like say uh, i'm gonna I'm, there's this movie I want to watch on Shutter that has like a that's stop motion based mm. and things like House of Gods or some shit like yeah. that. And I can't think of the filmmaker's name. But if you did that kind of treatment and make it you know scary, make it you know sinister in in any way, and put like a you know a very you know, uh, compelling score under it, I think it can be done. But what's fascinating also is what happens to this crew after the movie gets released and how after the uh, success kind of wanes a little bit. Because that's the thing about, you know, movie releases and stuff like that, where it's like, all right, cool, you made your money, the movie's a success, what's the next one going to be about? Yeah, and this is when you get into a part of entertainment that wasn't really thought of. No. Except on music, except in music, uh, which is, you know, symphonies. Hey, your fourth symphony, your third symphony. Right. So now we got to do it in movie form. People really liked it, so let's bring back Faye Ray. Let's bring back Robert Armstrong. Let's bring back these guys to do Son of Kong. Yeah, which was a, a, super rushed, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So and yeah, because it comes out in like 1934. Yeah. <laughs> and like, so you're coming off a one-year production and it's just like... And I will say, it's not about caliber of actor. It's about pool of actors yeah you got people who are loved by name you know we talk about all these actors we have now you know but there's so fucking many now you can't just talk about one actor you know you got your matthew mcconaughey's your denzel washington's and stuff who've built their career but you also have like your jim carrey's who've built their career you have the marvel cinematic universe which is filled with fucking actors but like a-listers yeah and they're all a-listers that's the thing back then every every person who was in a movie played in another fucking movie down the road mm-hmm. and like it was is a tight-knit group of people so you keep that same tight grip new to people and they could play different characters later on because like productions like that were probably like you know not as 
vast as they are mm-hmm. today with like cert like so many genres yeah. and like you know studios that are you know various studios that are under you know warner brothers mm-hmm. or disney or whoever you know uh a good example of this is the twilight zone uh, a lot of the actors who are recurring were always in other episodes william shatner appears in two episodes of the twilight zone or like the uh the Three Stooges. Yeah. A lot of those were... Rec- out. Everybody mm-hmm. that wasn't Mo Larry or Curly or Shimp or whoever were all recurring actors. Oh, Shimp. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... And, like... And we talk about typecasting sometimes. These guys were typecast immediately. Yeah. Or they, all, not only them, but, like, the people involved behind the scenes, too. Willis O'Brien in particular. Yeah. But, like, the people who came... Who kind of conceived the idea of Edgar Wallace and Miriam Cooper, you know, it's like, hey, we need another monster movie. Think of something. Edgar Wallace, that was the guy. Yeah. That was the other guy. He's like, hey, hey, Edgar, you need to think of another fucking monster movie. He's like, what? Up? But what about Kong? Yeah, fuck Kong. We've already done it. Let's, let's do the next one. What about Kong but smaller? Yeah, Kong but smaller. Yeah, Son of Kong. Mm-hmm. It's like it's you're kind of getting down to that like Stephen King nitty gritty. It's just like uh, uh, this lamp. Yeah, this lamp is scary. <laughs> Ooh, kabooga. Ooh, all right, I just sent me a fucking script. Like he just had a book. Like Stephen King just had a book release, and it's already got a movie tied to it really yeah they've already started production on a movie and the book just came out like a few weeks ago so he's one of those guys still that he's such an institution of himself mm-hmm. within his work that's is a he's kind of like an anomaly in himself where he's like not only like you know big in like you know literature but you know film and horror and yeah. like you know it all it's all under one thing like he's like one of the few people i can think of that has all of these these niches into one you yeah. know, into so many mediums. Well, you, you think know? about like Mary, that translates well, you that think way. About um, Cooper and him, it's, it's like, yeah, they they stuck to that niche. Yeah, uh, but, the big big monster, and they made they name famous for it. You know, like, but it uh, never surpassed King Kong. Yeah, so you're chasing, you're kind of chasing the dragon the whole time, mm-hmm. and doing that, it's a bitch and a half. You yeah, because I get like Steven Spielberg is one of the few that could do it because he diversified what he made. So he had ET. And then his next big one was Jurassic fucking Park. Right. So, like, these are cultural touchstones, movie-wise. So, could you do something that big again? Like Stephen King, you know, he, he his first book that got big was Carrie. Right. And he's able to... He, dude, he hit it every time. Yeah. Dude, for, 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 like, seven books after that, fantastic. I can't imagine, like, how difficult that must be as an author to knock it out of the park that consistently well it's also an artist like hey yeah. you know like we hear about these one hit wonders yeah they can't chase that one hit but some guys put out a fucking album 10 fucking hits yeah like acdc's back in black came back from all that shit with their dead fucking lead singer made back in black almost every every fucking song on that album is a banger yeah and it's like one of the top set best-selling albums of all time yeah michael jackson broke away from his family did off the wall which wasn't as good but came out with thriller yeah holy shit and a lot of that has to do with like you know the team behind (laughs) (laughs) that's prince (laughs) that was prince he became a full-on jehovah's witness but no willis o'brien wound up becoming a really tragic figure after uh after king kong like uh his his wife committed suicide or attempted to commit suicide and killed his two sons yeah It's rough. And this was like as he was uh, kind of finding another uh, deal to uh, make with uh, with uh, with King Kong. Like he had, I, I forget, he, uh, I guess he and uh, uh, whatever studio he was involved with had the rights to King Kong. And his producer that he was with at the time, John Beck, was going around and uh, pitching the idea of doing uh, 
King Kong to Toho. And then uh, Toho uh, wound up, uh, and he didn't tell Willis O'Brien any of this. The produ- uh, John Beck didn't. And once Toho secured those rights, Willis O'Brien was not included. Yeah. Which is crazy. And look what they did with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah we got a, a very derpy looking kind of... That that's the one they called Frankenstein. Well, yeah, that was supposed to be uh, Frankenstein versus uh, King Kong. But Toho wanted to go with one of their properties, and that's why they chose Godzilla. Mm. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> it's fascinating, but that's how yeah. we get King Kong versus Godzilla down the line. And, and then uh, Mecha King Kong. Mecha yeah, Kong. Mecha Kong, yeah. And that then was a, fun. And then a whole TV series in Japan yep. with uh, King Kong as well, too, like a little children's cartoon. Yeah. I remember the Godzilla cartoon. You remember that? Yeah. It had like a little baby Godzilla. A little baby. It was funny because like... Uh, when it was like Go- Scooby and the gang. Yeah, it was exactly. It was like a Hanna-Barbera, Scooby and the gang kind of thing. And like uh, the... Uh, I remember uh, the Godzilla monster. It was like somebody... It was a guy doing the roar. It was some guy going, whenever he would show up, and it was the goofiest fucking thing. It was almost thing. as good as that 2000s Godzilla cartoon, which was about the movie. Well, it was like the, uh, about the uh, American Godzilla. Yeah. I'd argue that was way better than the fucking movie was, because I yeah. watched that, too. Yeah, the cartoon show was pretty good, and the animation was good. That was back when you had Big Guy and Boy Soldier and stuff like that. Yeah. Fox animation, <laughs> Fox Kids animation was Fox shit. Kids animation. I Everybody watched all that house. shit, too. Uh-huh. It all looked the same. <laughs> But yeah, you remember, I, that, you remember that show, Big Guy and Rusty the Boy Robot? Uh, not that one in particular. Oh, that was badass. Let's see, because uh, fo- it came out at the same time as MIB. Yeah, I remember the the cartoon MIB. Yeah, they didn't age well. No, especially <laughs> when they talk about. There's one episode in particular where like, uh, oh, uh, those that that uh, spacecraft's about to fly into those two towers. They're not going to last long. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, oh fuck. <laughs> But no, that's uh, kind of uh, the 1933 King Kong in a nutshell. I'd love to uh, expand further with uh, King Kong versus Godzilla in particular. Oh, yeah. Like I so said, I'd like to come back into like... Maybe. Giant eight movies in general. <laughs> well, yeah, just, well, just giant, you know, eight, not just eight movies, but, you know, some of the stuff that got released in America that was kind of separate from Toho uh, going into, you know, American independent films and stuff like that, like... Uh, you know, like we did the whole watch. If you look, if you got if people are listening, if you look through our YouTube channel, like it's there's us doing the the reaction and uh, watch along with Amazing Colossal Man. But those 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 giant movies, you know, or like a the, or even them, them, yeah, the giant ants, mm-hmm. and just kind of uh, just an overall. There's a lot of uh, see American movies that were like that. I love I'd love to do like Ray Harryhausen monsters, like stop motion monsters, like no. we talked about. You know, Willis O'Brien was you know probably like the uh, the first guy to do that. But Ray Harryhausen would, you know, we could do a whole episode on him and his monsters, oh, like yeah. Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms or like yeah. Twenty Million Miles to Earth and that kind of stuff. Because like those kind of, those movies kind of influence stuff like The Abyss, yes, and Deep Star Six. Uh, which is, are all because the 20 million miles from Earth in particular was about an alien monster who mm-hmm. uh, starts off super small but then grows big enough to fight an elephant in uh, Italy at the end yeah. of the movie. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I would love to like kind of do a dive on that because that could, that's still part of the kaiju kind of thing, like especially with them. Absolutely, them, them is you know genetically a kaiju mommy, but it's ants. Yeah, giant uh, bugs. Um, let's see, it's, I need to find. All there was again eight legged freaks. Well, there's like this whole like uh well there's like a giant spot. There's like a hole in the fifties, for example. It's mm-hmm. just all giant robots. There was the Deadly Mantis, for example, mm-hmm. and there's a giant spider movie. And well, War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds is a classic. Like it's a giant, it's giant 
I mean, it's aliens and stuff, yeah, but, but, but it's, it's still it's giant over the side, over the top, fantastical machines killing man, and we barely prevailing. And sometimes I remember watching that when I was like seven. The original War of the Worlds in color. I see. Yeah, that and uh, I watched that and uh, what was it? Um, uh, what's the one that Keanu Reeves did the remake of? The day the Earth stood the still. The day the Earth stood still. I mean, like it's a robot. But uh, you know, it's kind of a robot monster, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd put that up there with the uh, with the genre for sure. Yeah, uh, he plays. Um, fuck, what is his? Name? It's a stupid fucking name. Yeah, I can't like remember it or some shit like that. Yeah, but the uh, most fun thing about those movies is the uh, the trailers. It's like see the amazing colossal man or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's like or the, it's a colossal event. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kong, the eighth wonder of the yeah, world. That you know, that's a cool tagline. You know, mm-hmm. uh, because nowadays you couldn't get you you couldn't find three people to name all seven wonders of the world. The original. I'm thinking seven, about them right now. The original seven wonders of the world. It's fucking hard. Yeah, and like there's like oh the eighth wonder because they're like oh the Eiffel Towers one. It's not. No, it's not. Fuck it's like, no, it's, it's not. Like the pyramids, the uh, gardens of the uh, Garden of Babylon. Babylon, yeah. Uh, but like the mortuary uh, of Festus, you got the. Uh, the lighthouse Come on, of, Chris, you got it. Uh, you got the lighthouse of Artemis. You got the uh, thing that was in the like uh, the Colossus of Rhodes, which was the Strait of Gibraltar. But, you had um, a lot of them were just Greek, yeah. And stuff, but it's like it's, it's narrowed it down to seven. Uh, you had the Library of Alexandria mm-hmm. that burned down. I was going to say the pyramids are really the only the one pyramids that's are left. the top tippy top. Yeah, but like uh, you had all these other ones. Um, the lighthouse of Artemis was pretty cool because it had a giant sun-based magnifying glass death ray <laughs> that they said it would, they could point the glass down and burn ships. <laughs> that is fucking stupid. Uh, but we'll be back for some more Kong talk. I know we kind of like talked around it a lot too, but like we said, that's a very simple movie, but like all of the nuances are mm-hmm. like probably the most interesting part about this movie too that, you know, carry on, on into so many aspects of what we enjoy in film today across yeah. all genres. Oh, that's a, Blockbusters think, in particular. If I remember right, I think King Kong is part of the Criterion Collection because it was the first one to do certain specific things on a grander scale. Oh, yeah. It has to. It, ha- yeah. it has to be. And that's you know? the main point of the Criterion Collection is innovation in film. Yeah. That's why The Rock is on there. And uh, hit us up in our Discord for any uh, deep cut monster movie suggestions that you might have that we can uh, add to the list. Michael Bay's King Kong. Oh, you know what? That might be kind of fun. As stupid as that and ridiculous as that but it sounds, plays, it plays the same. It plays like a sequel where King Kong escaped instead of gets killed. <laughs> King Kong is back and he's pissed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, for King uh, Kong Two, putting on the Ritz. <laughs> <laughs> well, for myself and Chris Morrison, this has been Kaiju Paradise, and we will see you next time.